The scripture lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, the verses 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany, where where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in honor of Jesus. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her tears, with her hair, I'm sorry. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold? and the money given to the poor. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was meant that she should should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the end of the lesson for this morning. I also have a sermon for you. (laughs) Or the adult moment, we'll call it. (laughs) We've heard this story today about Jesus in Bethany at the home of Lazarus. The story about compassion. Ironically, this is not a story about Jesus' compassion. In this story, Jesus' compassion came in the verses before this one, where he, at the behest of the two sisters of Lazarus, took pity, wept, and in his compassion gave Lazarus back his life. This is a story about two disciples. One who lacked compassion, and another who could not find the words to express her feelings and had to act them out, had to be the sermon, if you will. This dinner at the home of Lazarus is is a rather unique look into Jesus' intimate life. It's a gathering, it's kind of to celebrate that Lazarus has been raised from the dead. It was kind of his homecoming. There's a lot of echoes of the, the prodigal son being played out here and the coming home of that celebration. And this is the Mary and Martha from Luke that we heard about. Mar- Martha who works in the kitchen and does all the details and takes care of things behind the scenes. And Mary, her sister, undoubtedly this is the younger sister, right? Am I right in that? (laughs) The younger sister, who here again is sitting at Jesus' feet. This is a family with which Jesus has history. He knows them well. They are like His own family. And when news that Lazarus had died, came to Jesus. The shortest verse in the Bible is recorded that Jesus wept. He knew these folks. He 
He had been with them for a long time. And in the midst of this dinner, the emotion is high. Everyone there had witnessed a miracle, a very, a very personal one. Someone they loved, someone they thought was dead, had been brought back to life. And it was performed by Jesus who took pity on them. The other reality was that this act angered the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin who resolved at that moment to have Jesus executed on a cross if they could. This act of compassion in John would ultimately cost Jesus His life. I think there must have been some kind of melancholy in the room that night as well. In the midst of this celebration, Jesus seems to have a sense of His time being short. I even dare suggest that perhaps Jesus was a little saddened, enjoying a time of fellowship with His dear family. These people who had become so important to Him for His last time on earth. Mary, perhaps sensing this, or just needing to make a gesture to this man who had given them so much, performs this act of compassion. She, she had some perfume. This is this nard stuff. It's, it's very expensive. I don't know if it's Lancome, but it's, uh, you know, it's very expensive stuff that she had probably been saving up for a long time. And perhaps, you know, we don't know where she got it, but I suspect she had it for a long time. Perhaps it was a gift. Perhaps she was frivolous with her money, being the younger sister. You know how the youngest are. Perhaps she got it in ways that we don't want to talk about. But it was worth a year's wages. And she broke open the expensive jar, the alabaster jar, and poured it over Jesus' feet and wipes it with her hair. And the fragrance of her gratitude and compassion fills the room. I know that this was something that Mary had to do for herself, but I also think this gesture moved Jesus, calmed His Spirit, ministered to Him, and gave Him strength to do what He needed to do. Mary's generous compassion was a blessing to our Lord. And you never know how those things are going to affect you. Just the smallest gesture can sometimes be just the most wonderful blessing. When I was a, I was a youth pastor for quite a while, and one of my youth named Danica Huckabee was, my, for some reason I didn't have a car that day, and she was driving me uh, somewhere we were going to, to do something. I don't even remember what it was. But I was having a bad day. I was cranky. I'm sure my car was broken down. Maybe that was why I was cranky. But I was, I was cranky. I was upset. I wasn't in the mood for much of anything. And I get in the car. It was a, her mother's minivan. And Danica is driving me around. And she says, hey, I brought this CD just, just for our drive. And she pops in this CD she had made with all like music from high school, my high school, 80, all 80s music, right? And so I'm, I'm listening, I'm tapping my foot, right? And pretty soon my head's bobbing. 
And pretty soon I'm having, you know, I'm singing along and we're driving down the road and pretty soon I'm feeling pretty good. And I, you know, I had, to, I had to turn to her and I go, you know, you just, you just brought me out of my funk. I really appreciate this gesture you made. She didn't know what she was doing, but she just, she really blessed me with this small little gesture that, uh, that brought me out of my funk. And it's those little things, it's those moments when people minister one to another when the Holy Spirit gets shared in such a special way and they, they stand out. Mary's generous compassion ministered to Jesus, I believe, in this way. But there's another disciple in the room. Another disciple who fails to see the righteousness in this gesture and looks at it with a critical eye. This disciple calculates what the pious response might be. What can I say that would make me sound great you know and then suggests that money would have served the poor better of course john lets us in on judas's real motivation he's a thief and would love to get his hands on a year's worth of wages this contrived compassion for the poor falls flat and it's not tolerated by christ at this time as jane said he says you just stop that forget that Judas's false righteousness is very evident in this setting. This story, as with all Scripture, is a story for us as the people of God. It's a signal to us who strive to be the compassionate church. As we look with gratitude and pity on the world we live in and the world we're called to minister to. And we're called to be the good disciple, not the false disciple. And in this story, we're reminded of just what compassion is. Compassion, at its best, is generous and lavish and poured out in large quantities. And it's costly. It's not something that's given without some kind of sacrifice. It's active. It's not accomplished with words, compassion is a verb that's meant to be acted out. And it's counter to the values that we have in this world. You know, Mary's gesture in the world we live in doesn't even make sense. Why would you give a year's, why would you just pour out a year's salary on someone's stinky, nasty, walking around Palestine feet? That doesn't make any sense. I'm sure I can hear Jesus' mother pulling Mary aside and saying, oh, you know what? A card would have been just fine, dear. You know, send a card or something. You don't need to be so dramatic. It doesn't make sense in the world we live in. And compassion is, is personal. This act Mary did was intimate. It's personal. It came out of a relationship, out of a deep, sense of Jesus's own pain and her pain it came out of sympathy it came out of empathy and solidarity with who Jesus was it is hard to have compassion for someone that we don't know this is why this is why it's so easy for us to shed a tear and fret about a neighbor who has lost a beloved pet and yet we skim over news of people dying of AIDS in Africa. 
because compassion is something that really necessitates a relationship. And what that means for us as the church is that in order for us to have compassion for issues like people dying of AIDS in Africa, we must, go, we must get to know people dying of AIDS in Africa. Somehow we must open ourselves up to knowing that and having a relationship with people dying of AIDS in Africa. A difficult task in the world we live in. It's so much easier just to change the channel, turn off the news, skip over to the sports section, and worry about each other. Which is not a bad thing. But it's just too easy to turn our hearts off to the pain and suffering that is far away. We're also in this text reminded of what compassion is not. It's not something that you can fake. Not something that you can pretend. Judas was trying that. He was thinking, okay, what would be the really hoity-toity, pious answer for me to give that makes me look good? Jesus wasn't buying it. You're not fooling anybody, Judas. It can't be something that you fake. The truth will always be revealed one way or the other. It's not something that you can bring about by just modifying what you do. Compassion is the motivating factor. It's the thing that causes you to do something. It's not something that you can motivate within yourself by doing stuff. We must have compassion first and then act upon it. But again, this comes from some kind of personal experience. And it cannot come from anywhere but the heart. It cannot be cluttered by selfish or self-serving motives, or it will never be an effective guide to our actions. The tall order, this Christian compassion that we have given for us today. But we can't help but get our minds around the reality that the compassion that Christ has for this world The love that God has for every human being. Where is it going to come from if not from you and me? Where is it going to come from if not from the people of God empowered by the Holy Spirit given the calling to be the hands and feet to this hurt and broken world? If we do not bust open the jar of nard and pour it all over the feet of those who would be Jesus in our midst. The poorest, the lowest, the smallest, the most desperate. Those who are left out. Those who are without hope. Those who are hurting inside and outside. If we are not the bringers of God's compassion, who's going to do it? Where is it going to happen? People are going to continue to die if we don't open up our hearts to the pain that they experience somewhere else. Now, I don't mean, now some of you are going to hear this and go, and, and you're already carrying the weight of the, if you're like my mother, right? You worry about everything. And I, it's not my intention to add more worry to your life or to make you feel personally and individually responsible 
for all the world. But we, the church, are responsible for making the world a better place. For acting out of the compassion that through God's Holy Spirit has been instilled within us and has become a part of our DNA. So how, you know, how do you get compassion? I think it begins by opening your heart, opening your eyes, opening your ears, and looking around and seeing the realities of the world we live in. Again, it's so easy to isolate ourselves away in this beautiful space, in this beautiful town, in this beautiful world we live in, and miss the pain and suffering around us that needs the anointing and the care, the ministering to. Whether it be you know, the folks in Haiti who are living in lives of hopelessness, or whether it be your neighbor who feels the pain of loss or broken relationships amongst our friends, whatever the need for compassion, it's our job to bring it, to stir it up, to find it within ourselves and then respond and act out of that compassion. My prayer as we go through the, what's left of this time of Lent, for, you to, for all of us to kind of ask ourselves, where is my life lacking compassion? Where am I turning my heart off to the realities of the world we live in and its contrast to the kingdom of God. And then, what can I do to open myself up to the kind of compassion God has for those parts of the world and my life? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we hear this call to compassion in the example that Mary sets by lavishly ministering to Jesus Christ in His time of need by giving everything out of gratitude, out of acknowledgement. May we be such disciples. Help us to turn off our critical eye and help us to keep from trying to manufacture or present the illusion of compassion in favor of something that honestly comes from the heart. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.